evening, Hebrews chapter 10. Boy, I like that song, Channels Only. It reminds us that we are what we are by the grace of God, amen? And that uh, that's all we are. We're just channels. We're what God uses to be a blessing to others. And that's really what the, what the message is going to be about, about tonight. We're going to be looking at another principle from the Word of God. Um, while, while I was, while my wife and I were in uh, Peabody, we had the opportunity to be in the service on Wednesday night. And uh, I'm sitting there, and, and my granddaughter is at the piano uh, playing the, what we, I guess we call it the, the prelude, right? The prelude? And uh, she's playing music before the service starts. Man, she has really come along in her piano playing. And uh, I went up to her just before, just before the service started. And I said, uh, I said, I Kaylin, listen, uh, I hope you enjoy the service tonight. And I hope you enjoy playing the piano. Because this is going to be the last time you play this piano here. Because tonight, after tonight, I am going to kidnap you and bring you back to freedom. <laughs> and she smiled and laughed, you know, silly old grandfather, you know. But uh, I, believe me, the thought did definitely, did definitely go through my mind. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10, uh, we have some out on the, the table... We have some, we have some uh, sheets that are basically they're kind of like worksheets that you can use. You can use them to take notes, but then also to, to uh, during this series, uh, take that and develop the principles that we, that we have discovered in the Word of God and, and uh, come up with standards on your own for yourself that you will determine to live because of what the Bible says. Basically what, what we talked about this morning uh, observing to do according to all that is written therein. It's good to know the Bible, but, but God expects us not just to know it, but he expects us to live it and to live it on purpose. And um, uh, the um, uh, uh, whole idea of principled Christian living is that you, you find a truth, you find a principle in the word of God. From that principle, you, you develop a, a principled conviction, uh, something that you know that God wants you to do, someplace God wants you to stand, and then you, you, make, you make standards and you make rules and regs for yourself. You're not making them for anybody else, maybe for your family, but, but uh, if, you're the, if you're the head of the house, you, you make rules for your family, but you're making those rules for yourself based upon the word of God. You know, uh, I, we were in men's prayer meeting last night, and I, I uh, made mention of what I was going to preach on tonight. And uh, Mr. Corey made the, uh, Mr. Corey Sr. made the comment, says, well, he said, you know, you got to be preaching to the choir. And he's right. I mean, you folks are here on Sunday night. Uh, we've got some folks that are not here. Uh, and I'm not saying that to belittle them. They're, they're just not here for whatever reason. And uh, some of them have valid reasons. Some don't. But, you know, he says, Yo, you're preaching to the choir. Yeah, and, and, that's, and that's true to some extent, but here's what I found. And I, I don't know if this is true with you. This has been true with me. Uh, the longer I'm saved, the more I just go through the motions. And I need to do more than just go through the motions. I need to know why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I, it needs to go all the way back and have its roots 
in the word of God. And that's what principled living from the scriptures is all about, is not just doing what we're supposed to do, but doing what we're supposed to do because we know why God is pleased with us doing things that way because of what the scripture says. So with that in mind, let's all stand together. Hopefully you're at Hebrews chapter 10 by now, and if your neighbor doesn't have a Bible, let him look on with you. Hebrews 10, verses 23 and 24 and 25. Verse 23 says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke, on, uh, to, 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 uh, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as ye see the day approaching. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we tonight take a look at this fellowship principle, the importance of fellowshipping one with another, gathering together in church services, not just to hear the word of God preached, although that is definitely of primary importance, but it's also to be an encouragement and to be a help uh, to others. We, we ask God that uh, you would have your will and way in our hearts. May you solidify some things that we already believe and, and show us why from Scripture they're so important. And then, Lord, may we even go even further and uh, make sure that... Uh, this, this business of fellowshipping one with another, of attending church on a regular basis, is a priority in our lives. We're, li we're living in a day and age when all kinds of stuff can happen in our lives and crowd out the things that really are of most importance. And Father, I pray tonight that you'd help us to get our priorities in, in, the, right, in the right perspective. Help us to see the importance of fellowshipping one with another and, and building relationships right here in our local church. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. We're gonna we're gonna jump right to the right to the principle. And the principle essentially is this, and we find it, if you look with me again in Hebrews 10:25, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as a matter of some is, but exhorting one another. And, and, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Well, the day approaching is talking about the day of Christ. And as we get closer and closer and closer to the blessed hope, we, we ought to, and we need actually, more time together, not less time together. I've had, I've had quite, a, quite a few discussions here within the last, oh, I don't know, within the last year or so with uh, with individuals and, and particularly with, with other pastors. And, and uh, there are, are things going on in our world today like we've never seen before, and that affects the church. That affects not only the preachers, but it also affects the people. It affects all of us. There are, you know, there are some, some external social pressures and things going on uh, being inundated. We, we're being inundated by sin like, like I've never seen before. Um, you know, for years, you know, I've heard the old adage, and I think I said something about this last week. You know, you, you folks, you Bible thumpers, you just, you just, uh, you know, you uh, uh, force what you believe down other people's throats. 
Well, I'll tell you what, the world's forcing their garbage and their junk down everybody's throat. And I mean, you talk about force feeding. I've never seen anything like it in my life. Well, because of that, there's additional pressure on the child of God. And, and, and that, makes, that makes this principle of fellowship uh, even more important and more necessary and more essential. The principle is just simply this. I need relationships with believers in my local church in order to be what God wants me to be, in order for me to grow the way that God wants me to grow. I need relationships in the church. And when I say I, I don't just mean you. I mean all of us. We need one another. You know, so many times, uh, you know, we get this idea, that, well, yeah, the, the, the average person in a local church needs the preaching and needs the teaching. Well, I'll tell you what, the preacher needs you too. The deacons need one another and need you. Uh, anyone who is in this church, we have a need of one another. And what we need is we need to be exhorting one another, be helping one another, be encouraging one another, and so much the more as we see the day approaching. Now, according to this verse, particularly verse 25, what are we told we're not supposed to do? Well, it says, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is. So we should not forsake assembling of believers. That means church services ought to be a priority. Church activities ought to be a priority. One thing, by the way, that I, I don't encourage parents to ever discipline children uh, when, they're, when they misbehave by saying, you can't go to a youth activity. You can't go to a, a particular thing that, that the young people are doing or a special thing or, or master clubs. And hopefully we'll be starting that up again this next year. Um, and, and, and so forth. You, you don't do that because that is not the problem. That's part, of, that's part of the solution. And you're actually teaching kids that, that there are times when it's okay to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And by the way, when, if, if you notice the way that thing is formed, it says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. That is a command. That's a command from God. God says, listen, when the church doors are open, you ought to be there. Uh, I should not willingly choose anything over going to church. Why? Because contrary to the government and contrary to society, which we learned here during COVID, church is an essential. Church is an essential. And I, I realize if you've got... You know, if you've got a mass breakout of something, which we did with COVID, uh, you know, it's, 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 just, it's just smart to go ahead and, and, and isolate that thing so that we can hopefully get a handle on it. I understand that. But to, to say that, and this basically what our governor said was that church is not an essential. Well, I, you know, that, that should not surprise you. That shouldn't surprise you. That's the world saying that. Well, you expect the world to talk like that. However, I've heard Christians, and I, better yet, I've seen Christians act like that, where church is not an essential. Church is an essential. It's essential for growth. 
and it's essential for development in the Christian life. Go with me over to the book of Ephesians. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. One of the things that helps me whenever I read particularly Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, understand those are, those are not just uh, epistles uh, and letters written by the Apostle Paul, but they're letters written specifically to individual local churches. And he's, he's, he's admonishing those churches. 1st and 2nd Corinthians was written to a local church in Corinth. And, and he, he you know, came down and showed, the, particularly in the first, first letter uh, of 1 Corinthians, all of the specific problems and the difficulties that were going on within the church. And it was a, it was a very, very pointed but very loving rebuke to those folks. And basically, get your act together. And 2 Corinthians is encouraging because it basically says that they, they were starting to do some of those things that the Apostle Paul had said that needed to be done. But if, you, if you'll, you'll look with me in Ephesians chapter 4, look in verse uh, 11. Verse 11. It says, uh, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now understand, I realize that it's for the general body of Christ, but it's also for the specific local church bodies because the, many of these operate within that local church setting. In verse, uh, verse 13, it says, to we till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto, uh, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up uh, into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by, by that which uh, every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the, the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. In other words... Uh, getting together and ministering one to another. And it, it isn't all done from the pulpit. If it's all done from the pulpit, it's insufficient. You folks have a responsibility. And you have a responsibility to be a blessing to one another. I said the, the, this morning, you know, if, you've, if you have a particular problem or a particular need, I may or may not be... The, the, the main guy to talk to about that thing. We have got folks that have gone through all kinds of circumstances and situations in our church where, where God has taught them specific lessons. And he's taught them those lessons not only so they could grow in Christ, but so that they could be a blessing to someone else who later on comes through here 
and, and, uh, and has a need and they can be able to, to help and encourage and strengthen them. That's, that's the whole purpose of it. And, uh, and, and, and church is essential. It's absolutely essential for growth and development. The, the primary source of Christian fellowship is found in the local church. And, and my attendance... First of all, benefits others. Second of all, it also benefits me. It benefits both ways. How does it benefit others? Well, the Bible says, if you go back with me to Hebrews chapter 10, in Hebrews 10 and verse 24, it says, And let us consider one another, provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. <laughs> now, you know, I know where we can be good, particularly us independent, fundamental, King James, Bible-believing Baptists, we can be good at provoking one another. <laughs> but, but this is talking about provoking one another to love and provoking one another to good works. That's our job. That's not just my job, that's your job. You have a responsibility to others that, that are in this church to provoke them unto love and, the, and, and good works. And we are supposed to exhort one another. What does exhortation do? Keep your finger here in Hebrews and go back with me to, to Hebrews chapter 3. Back up just a little bit. You're in Hebrews 10, go to Hebrews 3. And look with me in verses 12 and 13. Hebrews chapter, chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. What's he saying? He's saying that's possible to happen to the best church member we've got. That's possible to happen to the preacher. That's possible to happen uh, to, to anyone that's here. Why? Because our heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And the Bible makes that very, very clear. So, so it says that because of that, we need, we need exhortation. Verse 13 says, But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Uh, it, it, you know, it tells us that it, it prevents others from being hardened through deceit and departing from God because of an evil heart of unbelief when we are constantly exhorting one another. And, and that, that, that exhorting really goes two ways. That, that preventing an evil heart of unbelief goes both ways. Um, and, and I've used this illustration before, but it's so true and it's happened so often to me. I'll be uh, talking with someone about uh, a situation that they need help with. And, and I'll give them some exhortation. I'll give them some encouragement. I'll, I'll, I'll give them some things that they need to do. Maybe they're, maybe they're struggling with something in their marriage and with their marriage relationship. And, uh, and I'll, I'll, talk, I'll talk to the wife and then I'll talk to the husband and I'll talk to both of them together. And invariably, and I've had this happen so often, where right in the middle of the whole thing, God, you know, nobody sees this. It's just going on inside of my heart. But the Bible says you got the Holy Spirit on the inside. Your body is the temple of the Spirit of God. 
And during that, you know, right in the middle of that stuff, God whispers in my ear and says, you know, that wouldn't be a bad thing for you to try sometime. You kind of slipped on that yourself, you know. And when you're telling somebody else what they're supposed to do, you think this is an easy job. Talk to the guys that we, that we uh, have come up here and, and preach once a month. We've been off that schedule a little bit. We're going to get back on it hopefully this month. But uh, uh, you ask them, and, and invariably, God not only works on them beforehand, and he works on me beforehand, but, but also right, sometimes right in the middle of, of preaching, you know, the Lord will say, hey, you know what? Uh, what you're saying is spot on. Why don't you try it? <laughs> you know, you're a, little, you're a little light on that in your life right now. Yeah, okay. So the exhortation really works both ways. It not only helps the person you're talking to, but it also helps you. Because if you're telling them to do something, you know what, you better do it yourself or they'll see that that is, is slipping in your life. And the other thing that it do, does is it comforts people. Uh, words can be a comfort. We're supposed to be a comfort one to another. We're supposed to be an encouragement and a help to one another. Take your Bibles and uh, turn with me, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians 4. First Thessalonians 4, I want you to, uh, we're going to read kind of a lengthy passage, but I want you to notice some things. First uh, Corinthians, or excuse me, First Thessalonians chapter, chapter 4 and verse uh, 13. This is a passage that many of you are familiar with. It says, but, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, those that are dead in Christ, uh, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. In other words, they're going to go up first and then we're going to follow. Verse 16, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And all God's people said, I'm looking forward to that. I hope you are too. But notice the next verse. It says, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Don't just rejoice in it for yourself. Where you see somebody sorrowing, sorrowing, give them that hope. Remind them of that. Comfort one another with those words. Look in verse, verse 1 of chapter 5. It says, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a, a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. 
Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are, we are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep in the night and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for an helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together. And he, again, he's talking to a local church. Comfort yourselves together and edify one another even as also you do. He said, listen, you're doing it. Keep doing it. Don't quit. You need to be encouraging one another. So my attendance benefits others. Not only does my attendance be benefit others, but my attendance benefits me. If you go back with me to Hebrews chapter, chapter 10, Look down in verse. Uh, look down in verse twenty-three. It says, "Let us hold fast the, the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised." Uh, it helps me hold fast my profession of faith without wavering. It's it's good to have fellowship with other folks that believe the same way I do. You know, you can you can go. You can go out there and you can find all kinds of squirrely doctrines that are out there. Uh, you, can, you can find it, uh, you know, uh, by, by relationships that you have with, with other Christians. Uh, but the other place you can find it, you find it on the Internet. There's all kinds of information. And a lot of it is just goofy stuff. Now, you can get some good stuff, but you can also get some goofy stuff. You know, you know what coming to church does? It just reassures you that you're on the right track. It reassures you that you're, you know, that you're, you're, uh, you're, you're, you're not kind of goofy yourself, and and that uh, you're encouraged to be strengthened in in that which you believe. And in verse 25, it says, "Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another." In other words, when I come to church, yes, I'm supposed to listen to the word of God. Yes, I'm supposed to sing. I'm supposed to pray. But I'm also supposed to do something. I'm supposed to be proactive. I'm supposed to uh, minister myself to someone else. And that means I've got to look for folks to minister to. You know what that means we should not do? And some folks do this. Some folks in this church do this. They come in, they plop themselves down in their spot, and they don't move. Why don't you move? Don't you have a job? You say, well, I don't teach Sunday school. You don't have to. Well, I don't sing in the choir. You don't have to. Well, I, I don't do this and I don't do that. You don't have But you do have to exhort one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Are we closer today to seeing that blessed hope than we've ever been before? Amen. Yeah, we are. And that's exciting and that's good. Okay, that, that's a good thing. But that means my responsibility is greater. That means your responsibility is greater because there's so much that is pulling and tugging on, on, uh, on the coattails of, of Christians and trying to pull on their hearts 
and drag them in the wrong direction. And, 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 and I, have, I have that responsibility and that needs, needs to be done to me. It, it gives me an opportunity to, to exhort. It also gives me an opportunity to, to be exhorted. Uh, we absolutely need to have the fellowship of, of one another. Um, fellowship encourages our hearts. It helps us. It encourages us. And we can be an encouragement to others. Fellowship ought to, if it goes in the right direction, if it doesn't end up being gossip and, and evil surmisings and all that kind of stuff, uh, you know, it, it, it ought to, it, it ought to uh, cause you to grow in faith. Uh, it'll cause you to, to increase in your faith. And fellowship will encourage others who are having a tough time. Um, some of you, most of you really don't know, um, and you can't, because you're not standing in my shoes. But you don't know how much this church, Freedom Baptist Church, means to me and my family. Um, I really believe this church helped. I have, I have five kids right now. That as far as I know, all five of them today, uh, no guarantee about tomorrow, but today, all five of them are serving God. Can I tell you one of the reasons why they are? Because of you folks. You say, well, it's because, because of your, your, you and your wife's training in the home. I'm, I'm sure that's part of it, and I hope it's part of it. But can I tell you, you people had a big, big influence in my family. I mean, huge influence. When we came here, Joel was what, 13? 12, 13, 14, something like that. He was in, I think he was 13. And um, every, every place we had been, well, it was only two. It was the church in Green Bay and then the church in, in Yorkshire. And uh, uh, he'd just get close to somebody and, and get a buddy. And for whatever reason, sometimes it was bad reasons, sometimes it was good reasons, but the family would depart and go somewhere else. And he just never really had good, close friends. Well, we came to freedom in, in uh, what was it, 1991. And uh, all of a sudden, he saw a, a small group of teenagers that just love the Lord. There was something going on here that was very, very unusual. It was, it was a form of positive peer pressure. Uh, there, were, there were young people that were in, in that youth group back then that I, I'm convinced because I, I see it now, I see the end result of, of their lives. They really, they really weren't into serving the Lord. They really didn't have a heart for God, but they acted like they did. You know why? Because there were so many that did, and they put positive pressure on them. Man, that was a blessing to Joel. That was a blessing. Uh, he still has relationships with people that were in this church to this day because of that. I can remember a conversation we had one time when we were over in western New York. And, uh, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, and I, I, I sounded very confident when I, when I made the statement to him, but I was concerned about him. 
And uh, he was rubbing shoulders with some people uh, there at that church that, that weren't on the same page that we were. And uh, one day, in, just he and I together alone in the house said, you know, Dad, you know, I don't know if you've noticed, a typical teenager, you know, I, I don't know if you've noticed, but, but uh, I don't really believe everything just like you do. I, I don't really have all the standards, you know, that you do. I said, yeah, I says, I've kind of noticed that. But here's what, here's what I know about you, Joel. I said, I said uh, 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 I've noticed that you have an inclination towards spiritual things, and you've got a warm heart. And I think when you get all the information that I've gotten over the years, that you'll end up coming to the same conclusions that I came to because I think you really want to serve God. And I said that, and I said that with confidence, but I walked away and I said, and I hope, I hope, I hope that that's true and that that's going to happen. When he came here, that solidified that. Boy, I tell you what, you don't want to, you don't want to come to me, and it's not because I'm pastor. It really isn't. You don't want to come to me and badmouth this church. You just don't want to do that. It's been too big of a blessing to me and to my family. When I came here, I was, before, beforehand, I was, I was starting to doubt a lot of things. I was starting to doubt my ministry. And I'm not going to go into it, but I needed to be exhorted. You know, at that time, this church was without a pastor, and obviously, church needed to be exhorted. But what, what many of you didn't know was that this preacher really needed to be exhorted. And I mean, really, really needed it. You did that. You did that. And, and I, I look at this principle of fellowship, and I say, yea, verily of a truth, it is important. It's been important to me. It's been important to my family. Quite frankly, it's important to you, and it's important to your family. When you get a hold of this principle, it'll affect areas of your life. It'll affect what kind of job you get. You don't want to get, you know, and, and I, I, I've watched our kids, and, and I'm thankful for this. They've never taken a job that would take them out of church. Uh, if, if the job was going to take them out of, out of church, they, they, they didn't take the job. I, I realized there are times when you don't have any control over that thing. I'm not, I'm not being critical of you. I'm really not. But, but be careful of that kind of stuff. Make sure the church attendance is a priority. Um, it, um, having this principle in your life will determine how you spend Saturday nights. You know, are you preparing for? Because you have a responsibility on Sunday. You know, so many times, you know, we, we look at it and say, well, the, the, the people that teach Sunday school and people in the choir and, and uh, the preacher and this person and that person, they have responsibilities, so they need to be sharp. The people that are working in the nursery, they need to be sharp. No, we all need to be sharp for Sunday. Why? Because I have the responsibility of exhorting others. Now, I can do it from here, but I should also be doing it down there because that's, that's my responsibility. Um, we, we, and you've heard me use this illustration before, but, but we, have a, we have a young man in our church who uh, some time ago, not very long time ago, made a decision, said, you know what? Uh, I was involved in such and such a sport, 
uh, I am not going to be involved in that particular one anymore because it, it doesn't allow me to go to church on Wednesday night, and I need to be in church on Wednesday night because that's when the church meets. This is a kid. This is a kid. That kid's got some more spirituality than some of us adults have got. He's spot on. Man, when I see that kind of stuff in kids, I get so excited. I get thrilled. Why? Because they're getting it early. <laughs> they're getting it, and it'll help them as they get older. And the, the older they get, if they, if they stick with that thing, if they stick with that principle, man, they'll, they'll, they'll be spot on as, as, they, as they grow up and as they grow in Christ. Um, what, what standards can we come to? What standards can we conclude uh, when it comes to the principle of, of fellowship. Well, let me give you some, some possible standards. Number one, uh, and, and these are standards that I made years ago. Number one, I'll, I'll attend church whenever the doors are open. Uh, you say, well, yeah, you have to because you're the pastor. No, I made that decision long before I ever even entered or even thought of training for the ministry. Uh, another standard you can make is I will, co I will come spiritually prepared because somebody needs me. And really, that is the absolute truth. Listen, listen, uh, you need others and others need you in this church. You are absolutely essential. Um, another, another standard you can come to is I, I will fellowship with others on purpose, looking to be a blessing. Not only should we look to get a blessing when we come to church, we ought to look to be a blessing when we come to church. Now, I'm going to make a statement, and I stand by it because I've watched it over the years. It's almost impossible to be a growing, thriving, witnessing Christian without regular, faithful church attendance and fellowship. That is something that is an essential. If a person can't get that down, they're going to struggle in a bunch of other areas of their life. You need others in this church, and others in this church desperately need you. Now, let, let me leave you with some questions. I'm going, to, I'm going to give you some questions. We're going to pray, and we're going to give the invitation. But, but uh, let me have you consider some things. Number one. Am I, am I regular and faithful in my church attendance? Yeah, you're here tonight, this Sunday night. Not everybody from this morning was here. So you can say yes, at least for tonight. Uh, do, do I want my children and grandchildren to have the same attitude toward church as I have? That's a good question. When I go to church, do I look to help and encourage others? Do I look to, to, to see who can I be a blessing to? Is there anything that I've let take the place of fellowship with other believers? Uh, it's, it's a, it is something that is absolutely essential in order to be steadfast in the faith. And then the last question, does my church attendance show that God is my first priority in my life? I, I really believe that those of you that are, are regular in your church attendance, you're a, you know, just, just you leaving your house methodically and, and in the, at the same time period, uh, Sunday morning, 
Sunday night, Wednesday night, once we uh, start door-to-door visitation Tuesday nights, and, and, and so forth and so on, you are being a testimony to those people that to you, church matters. To you, spiritual things are an absolute priority. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we thank you for the word of God and how pointed it is and, and how informative it is. It not only tells us what to do, but it tells us why we need to do it. Uh, Lord, uh, this fellowship principle is important for us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of your might. But Lord, it's also important to others. And when we neglect uh, our responsibility of exhorting one another and being a blessing and having fellowship one, one with another, we, we really, we really uh, cut ourselves and others off of the shoe taps. Uh, we, cut, we cut ourselves and others short. God, I pray that you'd help us to see and help us to solidify in our own hearts and minds the importance of fellowship one with another. Bless this invitation. You know, in a message like this, there could be a myriad of things that God could speak to a heart about. It may be about the subject at hand. It may be some other things that are kind of attached to that subject. It could be something that the Spirit of God brought up in the heart of somebody this evening that is a totally separate from what we've looked at. But yet, if that's what the Spirit of God spoke to our hearts about, we're responsible to you. Lord, help us to respond and do so in a way that pleases and honors you. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.